Today I'm going to talk about mission and how I see helping you update your mid-century ranch as part of my personal mission to save the world or at least make it a little better through changing American housing. Hey there, welcome back to Mid-Mod Remodel. This is the show about updating MCM homes, helping you match a mid-century home to your modern life. I'm your host, Della Hansman, architect and mid-century ranch enthusiast. You're listening to season two, episode four. Last week, I shared my easy room recipe, the simple three-part formula you can apply to any part of your house that needs a little MCM tune-up. I hope you've already grabbed the download and had some fun with it. If not, pop over and get your copy of the formula at midmod-midwest.com slash roomrecipe. Since we were so focused on results last week, this week I'd like to share with you why I see updating modest mid-century homes as a way that I can add value to the whole world. Helping people to love and keep up their MCM ranches is more than my job. It's a personal crusade, and I see it as not just an aesthetic effort, making a part of the world a little more beautiful, or even the more esoteric, helping to facilitate some part of my clients' lives so they can go out and contribute to the world in their own ways. Although, those two things are part of why I love what I do. But actually, I see updating a ranch as a radical act of sustainability, and I'm on a mission to help as many new homeowners as I can with the process of moving into and adapting an existing mid-century ranch to suit their needs. I want America's MCM ranches to become the same sort of lifetime home for us millennials that they were for our grandparents. As usual, you can find more information, links, etc. in the show notes for this episode at midmond-midwest.com slash 204. I'm going to use this episode to introduce myself a little better to you. We've been chit-chatting for more than a season now, and I think you know a lot of the way I see the world, but I want to talk to you a little about how I got to where I am today. A lot of different factors contribute to my current design mandate of helping new homeowners match a mid-century home to their modern life, but one in particular was my choice three years ago to move back to Madison, Wisconsin, my hometown. I'd been living in Chicago, working for a small boutique design firm that specialized in sustainable retrofits of existing buildings, some residential and also commercial, often restaurant spaces. It was complicated work, rooted in sustainability and working with existing buildings. The design level was excellent, and I loved being a part of it. But I wanted to get back close to my family, and I'd been waiting to move to Madison again for something like 15 years since leaving after college. I didn't know exactly where I wanted to start working— I knew I didn't want to keep doing the exact same thing I had been, so I took that transitional moment to use a bit of my savings and make some time to buy my own first house. I bought a modest mid-century ranch in Midvale Heights, which, for those of you not Madison local, is a near west side neighborhood of early 1950s homes. I wasn't even looking for a ranch, really. My original idea had been to buy a multi-unit apartment building, live in one flat and fix it up while renting out the other, then switch. My dad had done this back in his day, and it seemed like a fun project to take on. But the right house or building didn't come along in my time frame, and I started looking at single-family houses instead. When I first looked at a ranch, I remember my parents, dyed-in-the-wool baby boomers in their late 60s, were horrified. They saw the ranches I was looking at as bland and banal, everything they had rejected from their own childhood. But I was charmed. It's not a coincidence that I ended up buying a house with the same front door as the 1953 Racine Ranch where my grandparents lived for 60 years and raised my two aunts and dad. The more I looked at the bones of mid-century houses, I saw so much to love. They were sturdy and well-built. They didn't suffer for some of the aging problems I'd seen in other, older houses. Weird settlement and old foundations, hinky pipe setups, retrofits of kitchens and bathrooms that looked like a lot more work to undo before I could move forward. 
And one of the things that sold me on my own home were its charming mid-century details. I loved the hardwood that I knew was hiding underneath the carpet, and I was obsessed with the gleaming amber shellac finish on the original plywood doors. I jumped in. Now, even though I'm an architect and had spent my career in residential design, I didn't consider myself an expert in mid-century design at that point. So, as soon as the ink on the closing papers was dry, I hit the library, looking for a resource on how to fix up a mid-century ranch house. Sidebar. I nearly always live near a library. Actually, every home I've chosen for myself as an adult, every apartment that I've lived in since college, has been within walking distance, often within a few blocks of a library. And my current home is no different. It's actually just two blocks away from uh, the best, in my opinion, branch on the west side of Madison. So Madison has a good library system. I live in walking distance from one of the best branches. It's right in the heart of mid-century development. I was pretty confident I was going to go in there and find out what I needed. Without getting into the intricacies of the Dewey Decimal System, there is a section in every library on roughly your home style and what to do with it. It's uh, 728, if you were wondering. If you walk up to 728 in the Sequoia Branch Library, you'll find several dozen books each on bungalows, cottages, and colonials, with a smattering on capes, craftsmen, timber frame, and even straw bale houses. And in my library, just three books about ranches, all of which focus on high-end architect-designed versions in California, none of which will tell you what to do with your regular mid-century ranch. This blew me away. Mid-century modern is undergoing a renaissance right now. It's all over Pinterest. It's in the design magazines. It has a thriving home on Instagram. But I wasn't finding the resources I needed on paper. Again, sidebar, if you're looking for the same advice I was looking for three years ago, I've put together a list of my favorite 56 go-to mid-century resources to save you some of that trouble. I talked about this two episodes ago. Grab that list and easy PDF download at midmod-midwest.com slash resources. All right. Even with that list of great resources at hand, there still isn't that one source that tells you all about an everyday ranch and how to make the most of it at a modest level aimed at new homeowners. I kept digging, but I never found that essential book I was looking for. And in the end, I decided I would have to create that resource myself. It started as a blog and the Mid-Mod Midwest Instagram account. It grew into years of design work, and now it's this podcast. Someday I hope it'll be a book of my own, you know, when I carve out the time to write it. But I know I'm not alone in needing this information. Every day I'm reached out to by homeowners just like you who are asking questions about how they can fix up their ranch. The other thing I discovered as I dive deeper and deeper into this design question was how many mid-century homes there are out there. There are something like 15 million ranches in the U.S. that were built between 1940 and 1960 to answer the last big housing crisis. For context, that's at an available current housing stock of about 80 million single-family homes. That's a big chunk, not a drop in the bucket. And these mid-century houses are turning over, right now in this decade, from some of their original homeowners to new families just starting out. Being able to adapt and revive this housing type can have a huge impact on the world. And they're such great little houses. There are so many reasons to choose to live in a mid-century ranch. They're right-sized, they're located in places that allow many people to live a more car-free or car-light existence, they're well-built and sturdy, easy to modify, and although they're not often as well-insulated as they can be, they're pretty easy to update and make more green as you go along the way of making other changes. 
I see them as a perfect way for regular American families to sidestep the excesses of contemporary construction and anchor themselves in well-established neighborhoods, right-sized, livable homes that they can expect to live in and love for a lifetime. All right, I want to circle back around on my own story for a moment and tell you how I realized that I am living my literal dream life. In many ways, my fixation on mid-century ranches today is the very definition of dramatic irony, something I never would have seen coming. This landscape that I've chosen to focus on is the very one I tried to reject as a dissatisfied teenager growing up in suburban Chicago. I went to high school in a town with a small historic core and a nice little main street surrounded by late 70s ranches and split levels, but the town was rapidly developing around us and all of the new development going up was the worst, really the worst excess of McMansion nonsense. One of my high school friends moved with their family into a new house in the latest development, Greg's Landing. Oh yes, I am naming and shaming here. The original ads for this development build it as your private sanctuary because they converted a wetland into a golf course to make it. All of the houses were both pretentious and banal and poorly constructed. I remember visiting my friend shortly after they moved and noticing that the corners of some of the rooms were visibly not square. So, as a frustrated teenager, I wrote off the entire concept of suburbs as completely tacky trash and made plans never to have anything to do with them again. I went to college and majored in environmental studies, and for my junior year abroad, I connected with this really amazing outfit that packs up 30 students and three traveling professors and sends them off to live with a succession of host families all over the world, studying ecology, development, and social justice. Over eight months, I experienced life in the regular folks' housing of England, India, New Zealand, the Philippines, and Mexico. I didn't know I was an architect yet, but what I remember of that trip was overwhelmingly the houses and the apartments where I lived. There was a four-room stone cottage in Cornwall where we took actual hot water bottles up to bed because the little central fireplace didn't do a whole lot to heat the place. There was the bamboo home of a family who hosted me in a small village a four-hour ferry ride from Manila in the Philippines. The structure was bamboo poles, and the interior and exterior walls were woven bamboo matting, which kept the view private but let a breeze blow through night and day. Lest you think of this house as primitive, the eldest son owned a stereo system which surpassed anything I've ever seen to match back here in the States. In India, I spent two weeks in the mountain city of Shimla. I lived in an apartment building set into a slope so steep that it could only be accessed by stairs. There were two roads through that part of town, one low and one high, and if you lived in the middle, you either walked up or down several hundred steps to connect with the road. Everywhere I went, there was a different predominant style of housing that had been developed to suit the place and the culture of the people who lived there. During that trip, I decided I would become an architect. I would change the world by fixing American housing. A reasonable goal, right? Well, what I didn't realize at the time were several key things. One, most architects don't work in residential design. And two, those that do are not accessible to regular American families. In fact, the common number batted around within the field of architecture is that only 1% of Americans will ever work with an architect. Eep, that's the 1%. I didn't entirely give up on my dreams. I've been incredibly fortunate to find work with firms that closely align with my ethos of sustainability and right-sized living. But I had to give up on the idea that I would make a sizable impact on the world through housing design. Now, I love being an architect. Really, I love everything about it. I like thinking about design, looking at buildings and imagining the ways that people can and should live in them. The reason I get up in the morning is to help people settle and place themselves in the world through their built environment, through their homes. But it wasn't until earlier this year that I realized that, 
in fixing on mid-century houses, and in taking on platforms like this podcast, which allow me to reach many more people than I could ever assist in one day of dedicated design work, I have a chance to make an impact on the world. The more mid-century ranches and ranch owners I can help, the more that impact will reverberate. Over the last few years, I've started to gear up and develop this powerful sense of mission, working with homeowners to tune up their MCM houses, to retrofit and future-proof their homes for another couple of generations. I realized this, this goal, this impact on the world, this is my dream. So I want to thank you for joining me on this mission. What you're doing is more than making something beautiful. You're making something good. Now, I don't always agree with the philosophy of... Uh, famous modernist Le Corbusier, who said that a house is a machine for living. I don't think that homes are so reductive, but I do think that our homes facilitate our lives in both concrete and evanescent ways. They shelter and inspire us, keep us going through our own goals. I'm not a residential architect by accident. I have always believed that the homes we create for ourselves define and reinforce what we do in the world. I want to wrap up by talking about the fate of a mid-century house. The worst outcome for a recently sold MCM home is that it gets bulldozed and replaced by an unnecessarily bigger out-of-period one in the neighborhood. But another sad scenario for mid-century ranches is for them to be viewed as simply a starter home. They can be seen as a place where someone lives for just a few years, makes a few cheap changes, builds a little equity, and then moves on to something bigger and hypothetically better. Everything about that idea, the rapid turnover, the cheapness of the upgrade, the cycle of energy, of movement, purchasing and discarding things for a new place, this is all part of the dark side of the cycle of how Americans tend to house ourselves. And it plays into a sad statistic I learned a few years ago talking to an owner of a small tile company. They said the average lifespan of a tile in an American house is seven years. Oh my gosh, tiles put in place by the Romans are still there. There is no reason for us to be putting on and taking down these uh, elements of our houses in this disposable way. Now, don't take this as a dig if you're currently living a house you view as a starter home, or if your job, family, and other circumstances mean you need to move on in a few years. That's okay. Take care of your ranch the best way you can, and we'll always be friends. But allow me to paint a picture for you of the ideal outcome for a mid-century ranch that's been home to the same family since nearly the day it was built. When it turns over, the ideal end, the highest and best use for that house, is to go to another family who sees it as their forever home, and for it to be updated and retrofit in a way that will help it suit that new family for another generation or more. Of course, that house is going to need some work. There will be maintenance needs after 60 plus years. It's going to need some updating because the way we live in our homes has changed since our grandparents' day. But in many ways, that little ranch house has the potential to be a home for a new family for decades. I know that just about any ranch is capable of that kind of success. So my mission is to help people visualize that for themselves and their homes. Let's take that journey together. I want to take a minute to let you know about what I've been working on in the background for the last couple of months. I'm creating an online course to help homeowners like you crystallize what they want to get out of their remodel project, to define what's really driving their need for a remodel, figure out the key qualities of their home that need updating, and learn where they can go to find the resources around them, how to talk to city officials and zoning boards, read through an inspection report for red flags, and familiarize themselves with the history of their own house. Then I'll help people take that information and synthesize it to create a laser-focused vision of the remodel they want. Get the remodel you need with the budget you have. I am so excited about this project. It is 100% aligned with the mission I've just been discussing. 
help spreading the word about the greatness of mid-century houses and what they can be for a next generation of families. I'll be announcing more details about the course soon, so stay tuned. But for the moment, if this already sounds like something you'd like to know more about, pop your name onto the waitlist that's going to be in the show notes for this episode. Be the first to find out what's going to happen with the course. If you're listening to this episode in the future, and the course is already underway, don't worry. You can still be a part of it. I'll be doing this more than once. Remember, just pop your name on that same waitlist, and I promise I'll keep you up to date on what's going on with the course. As always, you can find links, pictures, and a summary of everything I've just covered in this episode on my website at bidmod-midwest.com slash 204. Have a question? Find me on Instagram, where my handle is at midmodmidwest, and the podcast's handle is midmodremodelpodcast. Or come and join us in the new Midmod Remodel community on Facebook. Join the group to share your mid-century update successes, progress, or questions. For the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be answering common MCM home update questions in a live Q&A there at 2 p.m. on Saturdays. See you there, Midmod Remodelers. Remodelers.